On today's episode, I'll be going over the Chicago Blackhawks 5-0 shutout loss to the Colorado Avalanche, and I'll also talk about the future of defenseman Ian Mitchell after his struggle-filled game last night in Denver. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, March 21st. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, for those of you who are first-time listeners, or even if you're a consistent listener of the show and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support. Please go and subscribe for free on YouTube. That would help me out tremendously. And while you're there, make sure to smash the like button, comment down below, and ring the bell so that way you can turn on those push notifications. And for you audio folks, make sure to follow the show. It's 100% for free wherever you may be getting your podcasts. Leave me a review if if you want to as well on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you're going to have to do that anyways in order to have a chance to win the two free Blackhawks tickets that I'm giving away on the 28th against the Dallas Stars. So make sure to go do all of that good stuff. It really helps me out tremendously, and I greatly appreciate all of your support. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all, as always, for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks, and thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. Getting right into it, last night, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks fought as hard as they could, I thought, but they still wound up on the wrong end of a lopsided final outcome, falling 5 nothing to the Colorado Avalanche out in Denver. But again, I didn't think it was a poor performance. I didn't think the Blackhawks lost 5 nothing due to a lack of effort. It just kind of started to go south the longer they played against the Avalanche, and that's going to happen when you have two teams on the complete other ends of the spectrum right now. But the Blackhawks, I thought, got off to a fine start in the first period. Uh, the Avalanche did come out of the gate roaring, and Alex Stalock was holding down the fort in the first couple of minutes. But then in the latter half of the period, the Blackhawks, it was their turn to get some puck possession in the offensive zone. I thought they were moving it around well, got a couple of opportunities, and they only trailed one to nothing after 20 minutes. The second period, while Colorado was able to find the back of the net twice, the Blackhawks still were, you know, hanging in right there. They actually led in shots on goal after 40 minutes. Now, to be fair, Colorado was most certainly getting more and the most dangerous uh, opportunities in this game. But the Blackhawks, you know, they probably deserve better than getting shut out for the eighth time this season, particularly from their play in the opening 40 minutes. The puck movement was there. They had some scoring chances, just couldn't find a way to squeak one through. And then in the third period, uh, in the final 30 minutes of the game, really, that's when things started to really head south. The floodgates opened up a little bit for the Avalanche. Miko Rantanen, that's a power play goal. And then the Avs strike for two goals in like 30 seconds or something. To make this one a little uglier than it actually was, 5 nothing final here in Denver. 
Alex Stalock, as I referenced, did all that he could. It was slap shot regatta. He made an unbelievable stick save to rob Nathan McKinnon, one of the best saves of the entire season that I've seen out of Stalock. Um, but yeah, things just really got out of hand there in the final 20, 30 minutes or so. But I didn't think the Blackhawks um, played as bad as the final score showed. They still, uh, in terms of the expected goals for at five on five, they were right there just short of two. They just couldn't find a way to get one past Alexander Georgiev in that. He ended up stopping all 27 shots that he faced. So a tip of the cap to Georgiev, uh, but the Blackhawks didn't lose this game 5 nothing because of a lack of effort. It's just because Colorado is simply better than they are. They're finally starting to get healthy a little bit, even though Kale McCarr didn't suit up in this game. They're starting to get some of their guns back, and they're starting to play uh, their best hockey of the entire season, which is what you want to be doing this time of the year. So an unsurprising 5 nothing defeat for the Chicago Blackhawks last night against the Avalanche. No harm, no foul, though, as this loss, of course, does help the Blackhawks out in terms of the tankathon standings in that race that's going on right now. The Blackhawks still do sit in third to last place even after their loss last night. They're now at 54 points through 70 games this season for a points percentage of 386. San Jose almost Almost picked up a win last night over the Oilers. They ended up losing that one in overtime. They still do pick up a point. That now has them at 53 points through 71 games. Still one more game played than the Blackhawks right now with a points percentage of 373. So the Blackhawks in that margin of getting back to second to last place uh, in the NHL standings has tightened a little bit. Then the Columbus Blue Jackets, I mean, they are doing an incredible job of losing seemingly night in and night out. I was actually looking at uh, their schedule for the past couple of months. And since the start of 2023, interesting stat about the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are 6-3-0 in nine games on Saturday. And the rest of their games on any other day except for Saturday, since the start of 2023, I believe they're 4 15 and five. So uh, Saturday has just been the only day Columbus has been able to pick up victories, but they've been losing each and every night. It's actually uh, kind of astonishing that that roster, it's not as bad of a roster as what the Blackhawks are dealing with right now. No way, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'd take Columbus's roster over the Blackhawks right now if I had to go and win a game at this very moment. But Columbus is, I mean, doing their front office favor right now with their play on the ice. Looks like they're going to be hard to chase down at this point. They still have only 49 points. Uh, they do only have 69 games played, though, one less than the Blackhawks, two less than the San Jose Sharks. They have a points percentage of 355 at the moment. Yeah, feels like they're going to be hard to beat. They have a matchup with the Washington Capitals, actually, this evening, and it would be real nice if they could find a way to come out of that one with two points and throw the Blackhawks a bone and close that margin a little bit more in terms of the Blackhawks getting back into last place in the entire NHL. All right, there are my thoughts on the Blackhawks. 5-0 loss to the Avs last night and how it impacts them in the standings. Coming up in just a moment, I will talk about Ian Mitchell's struggles last night and whether his opportunity has come and gone here in Chicago. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time 
to download FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Because if you're a new customer, you'll get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. All you got to do is go and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And for all you Bulls fans out there, you got to check out FanDuel if you want to place some wagers down on the Bulls. You can bet on everything from the Bulls' money line to their point spread to point scorers, and you can even bet on the threes that DeMar DeRozan, uh, Zach Levine, and Io DeSumo make every single game. Plus, FanDuel gives you the chance to combine your bets for an opportunity at a greater payout with the same game parlay feature. So make sure not to miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your bet doesn't hit, all you got to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on. It's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, before I go and get on into segment two here, I do have to remind you all that we're down to our final days of my uh, giveaway for two free Blackhawks tickets on the 28th against the Dallas Stars. Real quick, all you have to do in order to qualify for this, three things. First, you got to leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Second, you got to drop the name of your YouTube channel in that review as well. And third, you got to be subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. The reason why you have to drop the name of your channel in that review is because that's how I'm going to be checking that you're subscribed to the channel. So make sure to do all of those three things and you'll have a chance to win two free Blackhawks tickets to the game in one week from today against the Dallas Stars. All right, getting back into the show. Segment two, let's talk for a moment about the play this season, in particular last night from defenseman Ian Mitchell, because uh, to put it nicely, he had a rough go of it yesterday against the Avs. Mitchell was minus three. He had two goals bank in off of him in just 14 minutes of ice time, put up goose eggs across the stat sheet and the rest of the columns. And obviously with the newly signed Wyatt Kaiser kind of lurking around in the shadows. Coach Luke Richardson elected to scratch him last night against the Avs after he made his NHL debut on Saturday against the Arizona Coyotes. Obviously, you know, while Richardson, I do believe, is making the right choice to be patient with Kaiser and to kind of ease him into the process, considering he's only been around for a few days, he's still kind of learning things on the fly. I do believe he's going to want to get Kaiser in there for the greater portion uh, of these final 12 games and looking at how it's kind of shaking out for the Blackhawks defensively right now. Plus, we got word from Richardson yesterday that Andreas Englund is expected to rejoin the Blackhawks possibly on Thursday when they take on the Washington Capitals, and he could even get into the lineup then. You got to wonder if Mitchell is, you know, probably not only going to sit on Thursday, but going to be the odd man out once again for the remainder of the season, kind of like he's been up to this point, I mean, out of the 70 games that the Blackhawks have played in this year, Mitchell's only played in 30 of them. He's regularly <clears throat> been a healthy scratch. And at this point, there's no denying it right now. The Blackhawks clearly don't foresee Mitchell as part of their future on the blue line. And you got to believe, even though he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season, you got to think it's time for these two to part ways, right? Like a change of scenery move 
only feels like the smart decision at this point. And while it does make me concerned about Ian Mitchell, look, I, I was someone who all season long, I was barking for Ian Mitchell to get in the lineup. And I still don't think the Blackhawks necessarily did him any favors by playing him once every four games. And then even when he would play well, he'd be out of the lineup the next game. Jack Johnson was playing on a regularly basis. There was really no rhyme or reason in my mind, at least behind that idea. But um, with Mitchell being the odd man out all year long, it feels like this is the crossroads that we've really come to. And last night kind of felt like the pinnacle. It almost felt like the breaking point. I've seen a lot of people talking about it already, and it just doesn't feel like Mitchell has a place uh, on the blue line in the future for the Blackhawks. And we've seen, you know, Nicholas Bodan obviously was a defenseman who had to get shipped out because he didn't really fit in here. Um, we've seen general manager, Luke, uh, not Luke Richardson, Kyle Davidson, excuse me, make these change of scenery moves. And it feels like he's going to do right by Ian Mitchell and also probably right for the organization. Because while I was saying, like I, like I was just referencing, I thought Mitchell probably should have been playing the lion's share of games this season just to get one final opportunity. So that way the Blackhawks could know for sure whether or not he's part of the future. He's kind of, I think, answered that question himself with his inconsistent play whenever he does get an opportunity. And that's kind of what Richardson talked about after the game last night. Ben Pope, a frequent guest here, of course, on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, uh, asked Richardson about Mitchell's struggles. And he said, you know, he's just you just got to be ready whenever your number's called to get in the lineup. And he thought he was tentative and not aggressive enough. It felt like Mitchell was always kind of in between and wasn't sure where to be or what to do defensively and that's why he ended up being a dash three and um it, it just it just doesn't seem like there, there's going to be any way for Mitchell to kind of work this thing out in Chicago and yeah I, I would have liked him to be playing a little bit more regularly to know for sure but I do believe he's kind of given us those answers so heck maybe I was wrong about Ian Mitchell and it's not even that I was wrong about him. I just wanted to see him get more of an opportunity. I'm fine with being wrong. And even if I am wrong, and even if Mitchell never proves to be an NHL player, um, I can live with that. But I still would have liked to give him a little bit more of an opportunity one way or another, just to know for sure, because we've seen this happen with Gustav Forsling. Players, especially defensemen, just develop at weird times. But undoubtedly, it does feel like the best thing for Ian Mitchell and for the Blackhawks at this point is for him to to probably be uh, probably for him to move on from the Blackhawks in this offseason. There have just been too many inconsistencies and defensively, there haven't really been any significant or noticeable strides taken in that area and the offensive game hasn't made up for it. That side where he was supposed to be a really big difference maker, like, you know, uh, Stan Bowman, he who must not be named, kind of gassed him up to be. It's a shame that this is really where it's kind of all ended up for Ian Mitchell because he was a really intriguing prospect coming out of Denver. Uh, I don't think the organization did him any favors by not giving him really much time in Rockford that first year. They just threw him into the fire. He put up good AHL numbers last year, but it just feels like he's one of those guys where it's going to be an issue for him to translate it over to the national level. So we'll see what ends up happening. But I think all of us Blackhawks fans kind of are on the same page here that Ian Mitchell doesn't feel like uh, it feels like his time is coming to a close here as a member of the Blackhawks.
All right, there are my thoughts on Ian Mitchell's situation at the moment. Coming up in just a minute, because of that, I'm going to get into a way-too-early look at the Blackhawks' projected decor for next season. But first, real quick, I got to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Well, then, you got to try Built. And I know what you're thinking right now. Well, what makes Built Bar so good? Well, first of all, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in tremendous flavors such as cinnamon churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and plenty more. Plus, they only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in every single bar. And right now, you can go on down to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get your Built Bars. You used to have to wait for these puppies to get delivered. You used to have to order them online, but now you can go on down to Walmart or Sam's Club and snag a quick four-pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, coconut puffs. Try out the Built Bar puffs. I promise you'll be thanking me later. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. All right, before I wrap up today's show, folks, because I was talking about Ian Mitchell's future here in Chicago, and that obviously being up in the air at this point, uh, I figured now it would be a fun idea to kind of take a way too early look at the Blackhawks' projected defensive core for next season, or at least as we head into the offseason, as we're starting to get closer to the summer with the pending restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents. Let's take a look at how things are kind of shaping up on the back end for the Chicago Blackhawks. So to start us off, Let's talk about the three three players we are pretty confident are going to be here at the start of next season, not only because they're kind of tied in uh, long-term financially, but also because the Blackhawks need players to get to the salary cap floor next season. That is something that we have to be considering. Uh, so because of those reasons, I feel it's pretty likely that Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, and Nikita Zaitsev the only three defensemen on the NHL roster right now that are signed through the end of this season, I feel pretty confident saying all three are going to be on the Blackhawks roster at the start of next year. Obviously kind of solidifying the right side there a little bit. Uh, Seth Jones is obviously going to be the top pairing guy, the anchor on the top power play unit, playing 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. Whether you like it or not, Blackhawks fans, that's what he's going to be doing for the next six to seven years and you should probably buckle up because I really do feel like he's going to be the next captain. Whether you like it or not, that's the direction we're heading in. Connor Murphy, he's still signed on for three more years after this season at $4.4 million. There were some talks that, hey, maybe the Blackhawks move him too back at the trade deadline if there was uh, a good enough offer. I think financially, ultimately, they don't want to move Murphy because they're going to need that $4.4 million cap hit. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing in free agency, but because of the financial implications, I think it's pretty unlikely that Murphy's going to be dealt. Obviously, things can change come trade deadline next season, though. And then Nikita Zaitsev, who the Blackhawks acquired from Ottawa in exchange for future considerations after this year. He's got one year left on his deal at $4.5 million. That's why the Blackhawks landed a free second-round pick, because that $4.5 million AAV for Nikita Zaitsev is awful. I probably should have mentioned this when I was talking about Ian Mitchell in segment two. Nikita Zaitsev has arguably been worse, uh, uh, so bad so far in his Blackhawks tenure. I mean, go look at some of the numbers. He's taken a lot of penalties. It has not been good 
uh, for Nikita Zaitsev so far in his short time as a member of the Blackhawks, but it did get us a free second round pick. $4.5 million, kind of like Murphy. The Blackhawks are going to need that on their books. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like Nikita Zaitsev, sadly, is going anywhere. Both he and Murphy, by the way, have had the ability in the past to play on the left side um, because that might be something the Blackhawks have to go to next year considering the left side of the decor is completely up in the air right now, mostly because the, the three lefties that the Blackhawks have on their NHL roster at the moment are all – uh, having their contracts come up at the end of the season. And there's going to be some decisions to be made here. But first, let's start with Jared Tenorti, 31-year-old, unrestricted free agent, the bouncer, as I've nicknamed him. Uh, I love Jared Tenorti. I love that he wears his heart on his sleeve. I love that, uh, I mean, maybe I don't love it. I respect that he's willing to go out there and drop the gloves with heavyweights just you know, weeks after he returned from a broken jaw, he's taken like a hundred stitches to the face this year. And to his credit, he's been better than I thought he was going to be when the Blackhawks first signed him. Lots of respect for the bouncer that is Jared Tenorti, but there's no way that the Blackhawks are going to be bringing him back in the offseason. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, maybe I guess as a depth ad, a depth guy and a veteran to have on the left side. I personally think though the Blackhawks. Uh, while he will be a cheap option, I do think they could be in the market to potentially go out and get one veteran left-handed defenseman in the free agent market. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they had to shell out a couple million to him either. The big question, uh, now that we you know, have kind of established it, it feels very likely that Ian Mitchell's tenure with the Blackhawks is coming to an end. He's 24 years old, a restricted free agent at the end of the year. The Blackhawks do still hold his rights. I just don't see where he fits in. As I mentioned, he's only played in 30 of 70 games this season. One goal, six assists for seven points. Nothing all that impressive offensively. Really haven't seen him take that next step like we were hoping for at the beginning of the season. And he's still been a liability in the defensive zone. So I, I think the really big question on the back end for the Blackhawks this summer is going to be what to do with Caleb Jones. Andreas England, 27 years old, another, uh, he's actually going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. It just, it just feels hard pressed to see where he's going to fit in either. Again, maybe he's in that tenority boat. If the Blackhawks want to bring in a veteran, I just don't see it being the prime target for the Blackhawks. Caleb Jones is going to be the interesting one, though, folks. 25 years old, still a restricted free agent. The Blackhawks hold his rights. 61 games this year, four goals and 10 assists for 14 points. Uh, numbers are down a little bit from what we saw in his first year with the Blackhawks last season, but there have been some uh, ups and downs throughout the season for Caleb Jones. I feel like the defensive flaws are still there from time to time, and um especially in spurts. It feels like when it's going bad, it goes real bad for Caleb. Like he's a dash three dash four on a night if he doesn't have his a game. Um, but he's getting a good opportunity here right now on the top pairing with his brother, Seth. And I honestly feel like that deep pairing has been pretty good. Like Caleb stepped up into a top pairing role and handled it decently well for the most part. I think he is playing his most consistent hockey of the season at this point. So that's going to be the real interesting one. What do the Blackhawks want to do with Caleb Jones? Do they want to bring him back? Obviously, you feel like uh, you kind of want to be in good graces with Seth. You didn't sign up for this rebuild necessarily, but here he is finding himself in it. He's taken on a little bit more of a leadership role, as I referenced, likely to be the next captain of the Blackhawks. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Blackhawks keep Caleb Jones around. I know a lot of the fan base wouldn't love that, but um, for Seth reasons and also needing someone with experience on the left side, I wouldn't be shocked to see Caleb Jones come back in the offseason. But why it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not the Blackhawks bring back Caleb Jones or whether they go out on the market and add a left-handed defenseman to their roster is because in the pipelines, they got a lot of left-handed defensemen waiting to come up. Alex Vlasic, obviously, we haven't seen him at the NHL level this year, but um, suffered a bit of a, a scary injury. I think he had a uh, fractured fibula, I believe, and somehow returned in like three weeks. Um, but he's been playing some steady hockey down in the AHL, and I do think it was the right call by the Blackhawks to let him grow and uh, get some experience under his belt at that level. Isaac Phillips is another guy who probably could be in the NHL right now, but the Blackhawks you know, certainly don't want too many good players on their roster. Um, yeah, Phillips looked really sharp in both of his stints this season. He's got 16 NHL games this year, five points, scored his first NHL goal. I think Phillips and Vlasic both are really likely to be on the opening night roster next year. Philip Ruse is going to be the interesting one. He almost kind of feels like an odd man out as well, but kind of at a different point of his career than some of these guys. He's 24 years old, a lot of professional experience. Uh, he's played in 17 NHL games this year, scored his first NHL goal as well. Philip Ruse is kind of an older defensive intriguing option on the blue line that's still signed on through the end of next year. And then coming up through the pipelines, three names to keep an eye out for. Two of them play for the same team, the Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL and Kevin Korchinski and Nolan Allen. Wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys elect to go pro at the end of the season. Korchinski could go back to Seattle, um, but I, I don't know. He looked really good in the preseason. He's lighting it up there. Two other guys to consider on the back end for the Blackhawks. Ethan Del Mastro is another one to think about, too. Was the captain of the Mississauga Steelheads. Really impressive last two seasons there. Got traded to the Sudbury Wolves at the OHL trade deadline picked up right where he left off with his new club. I think Del Mastro is another guy who could be electing to go the professional route at the conclusion of this season. Those are three more names to consider on the back end. Now, probably more likely that, you know, they play some time down in Rockford. I think the only one that I don't even know if Korchinski is eligible to play in the AHL next season. So it's probably NHL or Seattle for him. Uh, Del Mastro and Allen feel likely to be playing games in Rockford before just immediately getting thrown into the fire. And then there's two other guys, Jakob Galvis and Alec Regula. Both are restricted free agents at the end of the season. Regula is someone I've kind of had a little bit of fan bias towards ever since the Hawks acquired him from uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, 19 points in 40 games for Rockford this year. Hasn't been playing as many NHL games. Didn't get as many NHL games as I kind of thought. And then Jakob Galvis hasn't been in the NHL at all this year, which kind of surprised me because in his short stint with the Blackhawks last year, he looked very capable of playing at that level. And at this point in time, it's just kind of down to a numbers game. I just listed off a, a ton of players that aren't even at the professional level for the Blackhawks yet, like Kevin Korchinski, Ethan Del Mastro, Nolan Allen. Those are names that you got to consider. And Alex Vlasic, Isaac Phillips are coming up. There's Philip Ruse, Caleb Jones I just mentioned. There's not a lot of spots, not enough spots to fit all of these names moving forward. So it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening for the Blackhawks blue line. Ultimately, 
I'm going to guess that Caleb Jones does come back. The Hawks will go Caleb and Seth on the top defensive pairing next year. Wouldn't be surprised if Wyatt Kaiser starts the season down in Rockford next year. Alex Vlasic and Isaac Phillips, I think, are the two guys who are ready and ripened a little bit more to take that jump. I I wouldn't be shocked if the Blackhawks decor to open up next season was Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, Nikita Zaitsev, Caleb Jones, Alex Vlasic, Isaac Phillips, seventh guy. Maybe that's Alec Regula. Maybe it's Philip Ruse. Maybe it's Jakob Galvis. And that's assuming the Blackhawks don't go and add another defenseman in free agency. They very well could do that if they want a veteran to add to the blue line. So we'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Blackhawks go about it on their blue line. But that's a my, my way too early uh, projection of what we could see on the back end for the Blackhawks in 2023-2024. All right, I think that is going to wrap up Tuesday, March 21st's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, thank you all for tuning into the show and make sure to go and show some support if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to the audio version, make sure to go and follow the podcast, be downloading all of those latest episodes. And for those of you watching on YouTube, if you haven't done so already, make sure to hit that subscribe button. It really does help me out tremendously. And that way you can get the episode as soon as it comes out on YouTube each and every day. Once again, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Thank you all for tuning into today's episode. You can check me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too, or you could also go and find my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.